We're going to turn this morning, though, to the Word, the book of Acts. Anybody in here love the Word of God? We're going to go to the 28th chapter of the book of Acts. We're going to start with verse number one. If you're there, say amen. Now, when they had escaped, look to your neighbor and say they escaped. They found an island called Malta, and the natives showed an unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Anybody here understand cold? I have seen four seasons of winter since we have been here. But when Paul had gathered a bunch of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. And though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature. Everybody say shook off the creature. Into the fire and suffered no harm. However, when they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall dead. Oh, we could preach on that for a while. Some of you, well, I'm just taking a little time this morning. You ever have those folks that just expect you to fail? And yet you just shook it off? I like to look on those people's face when they thought, oh, they fell into some mess and they've messed up and they've done wrong and yet you just kind of shake it off and just go about your business and they're just saying, what in the world? How'd that happen? No harm came to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a god. And in that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father lay sick of a fever, dysentery, and Paul went into him and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So that when this was done, the rest of those in the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak this morning and I'm going to minister. And I, I have to tell you, I'm a pastor at heart. And I do feel like uh, there's a purpose for me here today. I am a man that likes to preach faith. And so this morning we're going to pray just a very, we're going to preach just very simply shake it off in the fire. And so I need to know how many receptive people I have in the house today that will receive the word of God. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have together. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you, Father, for all of your mercy and grace that you have poured out. We thank you for every person that is able to be here today. But, Lord, we ask you to anoint your man of God. Let him speak with fervor and fire your word. Let your will be done, not his. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Somebody give God praise one more time if you believe that he's with us today. Amen. Now, before we're seated, I'm a man of statistics. I like statistics. And statistics tell us that in this world, there are a lot of good-looking people. And statistics tell us that two out of three people are good-looking. So what I want you to do is look to your left, look to your right, and if those are good-looking people, you do the statistics and the math. Everybody's looking again and looking again. You may be seated. Oh, Lord, help those that, never mind. If you break down the first 12 chapters of Acts, it's called the Acts of Ministry of, of Peter. But when we come to Acts 13, it commences this wonderful, powerful catalog of ministry through this man that we have been introduced to as Paul. 
16 chapters are dedicated to the missionary endeavors of this man, a man whose life was completely changed by Jesus. Saw a light, heard a voice, fell from his beast, laid on the ground and said, who are you, Lord? What would you have me do with my life? And from that encounter and everywhere that this man Paul goes, two things happen. Number one, it was a revival or a riot. And there was no ecumenical thing with Paul. When he walked into a city, he didn't have time to play around. It was something with Paul that he shook the city to its very core because there was so much word within him. And in chapter 13 at Antioch, he begins the first of three missionary trips. And in chapter 22, on one of those missionary trips, he's falsely accused by the Jews by taking the Gentile too deep into the temple. And he stands before Felix and pleads his case. And they refer to him, him to Agrippa where he pleads his case. And this is where we get that famous verse in chapter 26, you almost persuaded me, you almost persuaded me. Somewhere in the midst of these pews, these, these seats, these chairs, and these people today, there is somebody I am convinced that is stuck in that place of almost. Mm -hmm. Almost. What do you mean, preacher? You are almost. Because some of y'all was almost in hell. You were almost in heaven. You were almost Calvary. You were almost saved, almost in an altar. But it's not going to end there for you, friend. Because you have an opportunity and a chance this morning to get out of the almost stage of your life. If this is your first time here today, these folks have been blessed and their lives have been changed and they have a story to tell that would probably knock the socks off some of you all. I get people tell me all the time, so well, if I come to church, the, the roof would cave in and the walls would fall in for the things that I have done. And I'm like, let me tell you, there's somebody that's already told me that, walked in the door, their life has been completely changed by Jesus. So there's nothing you could tell me and nothing you could say that could scare me. God's already done it. We feel like we're too deep of sinners and too wrong gone and too stinky by the world. But let me tell you, God's got a way of cleaning up the worst of us. I have anybody in here that says I was lost, but now I'm saved. I was in that state of almost going to hell, but Jesus found me somewhere and changed my life forever. Mm. Before this service is over with, I am convinced that somebody is going to walk out of the stage of almost convinced. I'm believing and I'm standing firm that somebody today is going to lose that spirit of almost. I almost gave my life to God. I almost came to an altar of repentance. I almost was baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus, almost filled with the spirit. This is not a time and a place that we are in our world today where we could afford to be almost. Somebody today needs to say, this is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice in it and I'm going to make a difference in my life. I'm convinced. I'm praying conviction falls. I'm praying the Holy Ghost power gets a hold of somebody. I'm believing today that the altar is going to be full of people that are wanting a fire from the Holy Ghost to fall upon them. Amen? But back to Paul. They won't stop persecuting Paul. Over and over the lies they begin to tell on him. And so he gets on a boat with other prisoners and convicts and on their way to Rome with a centurion named Justice. Paul says to the man, this is not going to work out like you think it's going to go. He says to him, don't sail. They don't listen to the man of God. Oh, we're not going to preach that this morning. I'm not even going to touch that, Pastor. Because I know this is not masculine. Because in masculine, I got folks that don't want to follow the voice of God. This is not like that here. Amen. <laughs> that got quiet real quick in there. On they don't listen to the man of God and they find themselves into the storm of a lifetime. The storm got so bad that they sat in the dark for days. 
can't see sun and can't see stars. And to the people that are, that are jumping out of the boat, Paul says, don't bail out now. As I begin to read the newspaper and listen to the radio and see things that are happening in this world, people begin to get afraid. They get confused. They get scattered. And I, I want to tell somebody this morning, don't bail out now of the boat. The voice of the Lord is saying, stay in the church, stay close to him, stay close to God, stay close to the altar. Matter of fact, if I could say it like this, stay closer now than ever before. Because this is not a time to bail out on God. This is not a time to bail out on the church. This is not a time to let go of things that you have held on to for so long. Convictions that are true. Biblical principles that are so wonderful. Now is a time to hold on to God more than ever. Come on, somebody. Now's not a time to go back to the world that you came out of a long time ago. Now's not a time to turn around and go back to the things that you gave up. There was a moment in time in your life that you wanted to change within you, and you came to God and say, God, I can't live like this anymore. I've got to make a change. This is not a time to go back to what used to be. You were changed, delivered, and healed. This is a time to get closer to him than ever before. Don't bail out of the ship now. Even though it might be dark and even though it might not have any light in this world, be a light to this world and show them there is something more. Mm -hmm. All right, calm down. My dear wife is with me and I love her so very much and I don't like to travel without her because she's like the anchor. So you gotta make sure I don't get too crazy trying to be good last night the angel of the Lord told me that unless you stay in this vessel you're all going to perish don't bail out the wind got so bad and the waves so hard that they, they threw the anchors out and the Bible says that the ship was torn to pieces some floated on broken pieces of wood, but everyone made it to shore safely. Let me speak to somebody this morning because I'm convinced with a crowd of people like this that there's probably somebody. I'm not saying that I'm a prophet, but there's somebody in here today whose life is in pieces. And you wonder why in the world God would allow your life to be torn to pieces. But let me just tell you, if all you have is just a sliver of faith left in God, that's enough to carry you to safety. If all you have today is just a small word from the Lord that's looking at you and telling you that you're going to make it, I'm here to come all the way from Ohio to tell you today that that's more than enough to carry you to heaven. If all you have is just a little bit of hope and everything else is, I'm telling you, the dog's got mange, the refrigerator's gone out, we got a leaky roof, we got a bad report, we've got everything going gout in our foot, toenails are just moldy, but let me tell you somebody today, if all you have is just a sliver of a word from God, just a little bit of faith. I'm here to tell somebody you're going to make it to shore safely. Do I have a believer in the house today that'll say that God has been enough to carry me from the mess that I was in to safety if all I have is just... So no matter how tore up your life is, no matter how tore up your family might be, no matter how the economy might look, no matter what else going around you, I'm here to tell you today, if you've just got a little bit of faith left in God, it's more than enough to take you through the storm that your life is in right now. I don't care what the doctor report says. I don't care what the kids have tried to tell you. I don't care what the mess is in the marriage. I'm here to tell you today that God is more than enough to take you from the storm that you're in to the safety that you need. Jesus. 
How do you know that preacher? Because I've been there. I've been in the storms. I've been in the dark times when there was no shining light. I've been there when I couldn't see a way out. I felt the storms. I felt the wind of life. I felt those things. But yet there was enough left in faith in God that carried me through those times. So I'm telling somebody today, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't let go of God if all you have is just a rope. Just a tie a knot and hang on. And don't let go because God will bring you through. I'm a living testimony. Chapter 28 begins, and we said it, when they had escaped. When they escaped. And some seasons are meant for us to simply escape. Escape. Not me. I'm more than a conqueror. Not me. I'm more than a... I've seen some big old biceps in this place today. What in the world are you feeding these guys around here? Sheesh. I'm big and burly and tough and... I don't, I don't, I'm more than this and that. You might be. But let's just say this this morning and just be transparent. That when we look back over our lives, we can honestly say the Lord had mercy. And I escaped that thing. It wasn't by my might. It wasn't by my strength. But if it had not been for Jesus, where would I be today? Cliche preach, and I understand, but the truth still is the truth. And some things I have simply escaped. I'm preaching to a church today that I understand that, you know, you're not just immune to the things of the world. There's probably in the house today people that that were probably hooked on alcohol or drugs or illicit things in this world. And, And by your own self, you would have never got out of that mess if it had not been for God. And you didn't get out on anything. You got out because God helped you escape those things. I escaped that thing. I might have lost my mind, but I escaped that thing. I might have lost everything in my life, but I escaped that thing. And I'm only here today because God helped me to escape those things. Paul escaped that storm. He escaped that shipwreck. And the writer John made sure to include the island named Malta, Pastor. And Malta in the Greek means sweet place. And we, can we just see that the Holy Ghost irony here is that some, you know, God's got a sense of humor. We're created like him, correct? So if we have a sense of humor, that would tell me that God's got a sense of humor. If I was at home, I would say, look to the person next to you. God's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? Sweet place. It's, ir- it's irony. And I, I'm about to have somebody going to need you to testify with me here. That when God brings you through a storm, he brings you to a sweet place. I wonder if I had anybody in the house today that's ever been through a storm. And could tell somebody else that's going through a storm right now and help them right now in their faith that when you've been through the storm, that in the end, God doesn't just let you go on your own and just you're just sitting there going, what next? He brings you to a sweet place where you feel his presence like never before and his arms wrapping around you and God saying, that's right, we made it through that. We escaped and now we're in a sweet place in his spirit. You know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all that have been through the storm, help me here. Come on. Because, because you've been through the storm, and when you've got out of the storm, and you've got out of there, you, you begin to smile again. I've been introduced to Minnesota nice. And, and my wife says that I know no strangers, and I talk to everybody. And, and I think that maybe somewhere along the line, I have a little bit of Minnesota nice in my blood. But there's one thing about being friendly in your countenance, but there's another thing about smiling in your spirit again. You, you, let me just let me explain for some of y'all because you you walk into the presence of the of the house of the Lord or you get into your prayer time or whatever it might be, and even though you're still wet and cold and and been beaten up by the waves and things of life, when you get into the presence of God, you get your smile back again. Yes. 
and then the smile leads you to something else and you get your dance back again. You get that praise back again and that worship back again. Oh, come on, you, you've gone through the storm, but yet you get to that sweet place where everything just kind of connects with God once more. 277 convicts. And the folks on the island receive them. Doesn't make sense. Chains on their wrists, stripes on their clothes. But the text says that these strangers treated them with unusual kindness. A prisoner. Prisoner and yet they're ready to make them a meal. Trying to get them warmed up. Hospitality. Favor. Some of y'all can't figure out that in the midst of your storm, in the darkness of where you're going, no light, trouble all around you. You can't figure out where you're going to go, but yet these church folks in here have shown you kindness. How you keep finding the favor of the Lord. Now, for some of you who don't understand the favor of the Lord, let me explain to you the favor of the Lord. The only way that I can try to connect this with you the best way possible. We show up at our room this week and your pastor's wife and her hospitality showed us favor because in there was Coke Zero in the refrigerator. Oh. Yogurt and fruit, the most delicious bread bowl of fruit and apples and bananas, wonderful, cooked for us. She did that all for my wife because she has favor and I'm just byproduct of receiving that favor from her. <laughs> favor, things you don't deserve, but yet you have them. Things that, that you don't really deserve, but yet God says, here you go. Things that, you know, do you care if I come down, Pastor? Is it all right to walk down in here? Okay. I got to ask because, you know, I don't need to get pushed into the water tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know you, but you're sitting in the front row. You're sitting in the splash zone, so you're going to get used. <laughs> now, I don't know your life, but let's just say this. And you all help me because, you know, there's probably some things in life that you just don't deserve. But yet God, you know, I don't know your past or where you came from or what you did before you came. You might have been grown up in church and had a halo from birth. I have no idea. You have a history and you have a story. You have a past. You have things you've gone through. But yet you have found the favor of God while you've served him. Have a roof over your head. Shoes on your feet, had breakfast, had lunch, had dinner. Yeah, you know why? Because of the favor of God. And we find ourselves in life at times, my new friend and I, that sin has us chained. Sin has us bound. Sin has us in place that we are convicted because, you know, because we were, we were wrong. It wasn't one of these things that I didn't do anything, but I got blamed for it anyway. No, you were caught in the midst of your sin. You were wrong. Convicted, rightfully so. You were on your way to some place, and yet God found favor. Dark and life had no way to how you're going to get out of this mess that you got yourself into. You have no idea how we're going to get fixed and how this is going to get fixed. But yet somehow, some way through all that, God brought you to a sweet place. Well, I like to call an altar. And you had an experience with God. And the next thing you know, you found favor. You got the job you didn't deserve. Anybody? Got the spouse that you didn't deserve. I'll say amen to that. God, then all of a sudden, you, you know, you begin to get favor with God and he begins to bless you with things that you never thought that you ever could have. Yes. 
favor. He gets out of the boat. He gets out of the splinter. He gets out of the storm. He's cold. He's wet. He's miserable. All of these things are going on. And he gets there and he finds the favor of God with these crazy folks on this island. Jesus treated them with unusual kindness. I don't know about you, and I'm feeling the Lord right now putting a pause on this with me. Please stay with me. That in my life, God has treated me with such unusual kindness. When I didn't deserve it because I know in the dark who I was. And yet when I land in that sweet spot and God has wrapped his arms around me, he's given me unusual kindness that I did not deserve. Somebody here today says, I don't know what to praise God about because I'm still in the storm. Praise God that there was a splinter of faith that you had that brought you to the sweet place and he's given you unusual kindness. If you've got nothing else to praise him for, praise him for the kindness that he showed you. Jesus, stripes of my issues can be seen in my countenance, but yet God has received me and gave me sweet sustenance. And after my storm, God brought favor, dropping me off in a sweet place, dropping me off in a place of breakthrough, dropping me off in a place of favor. You didn't earn what God's given you. Mm-hmm. You didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, but yet God's given it to you. Pastor can't talk like this, but see, I'm leaving here and he can fix it later, but. And he's pretty handy, but. You didn't deserve what you've got. I speak that in faith this morning. Some of y'all have been given the favor of God and you've received the favor of God of something that you did not deserve. You didn't deserve what you received because where you were and what you were, what you were involved in and what you did, but yet God. And God showed you favor. I'm speaking to somebody, oh man, connected to, to the favor of God. And Paul had been in a place where he had been connected to haters until God dropped him off in a land of sweetness that showed him favor. Those people didn't care where he came from, what he looked like, what he did in his past, but yet God showed him favor. Oh, let me just reach for you today. I don't know who you are. Listen, I've been trying to introduce myself to make friends because I needed some, I got a whole fan club sitting behind me this morning that I made friends with and they've been amening me because I bribed them a little bit maybe, I don't know. But there's somebody here today that feels like the church won't accept me and they won't, they're going to reject me. And if they knew who I was and where I've been and what I've done, they would never show me kindness. But that's not the way that this church is because that's not the way the leadership and that's not the way that God is. No matter where you've been or what you've done or where you came from and the things that you're in still in right now, you may still smell like last night's sin. Now, see, not here, but let me just tell them my folks at home because none of them are here and they ain't going to listen to this. So we got folks at home that when they come to church on Sunday morning, they still smell like the stuff that they were into the night before. A little alcohol, a little smoking, maybe some of that devil's lettuce that they were smoking that smells a little funny. You sanctified folks don't know what that is. Somebody tell them what that late is later. And they walk in there and they feel like nobody's going to ever love them or accept them. But I'm here to tell you today, you have landed in a sweet place. Oh God, you've landed a place of favor. You're here today because of God's favor. 
You showed up into this house today not by the invitation of somebody else. You're here today by the invitation of God's favor. And you showed up today no matter where you've been or what you've done or the things that have happened. You're here today because of God's favor. God is showing you kindness and mercy and grace. And you're here today not for a dinner, not for food, not for because somebody wouldn't stop inviting. You're here today and have this chance for deliverance because of God's favor. God's deliverance is in this house today. And God will set you free in this house today. And it's all because of God's favor that he has upon your life. You don't understand how God's going to bring you out. And you don't understand how God can break the chains of addiction. And that's not you to figure out. And that's not your place to try to figure out. But while you're here today in the sweet place of favor with God, you ought to be thankful to him. And if all you can do is lift your hands and say thank you, do so because you've landed in a place of favor. I wonder if the church house today could give God some praise. I wonder if we could stand to our feet and just give God praise. Some of you all been in those places and you've been in that situation and yet you've landed here and found, and do I have anybody that's been in the world and then found God? Give God some. Your praise be a testimony to somebody next to you that if God could bring me out, that God could bring them out. Ah. I, I told you, Pastor, to tell me, but, I, but stay, just stay standing with me for, just for a minute. I'm going to try to get done earlier than he does so you guys like me. But <laughs> I can guarantee you in this house today, and I say this, that there's probably some good rank sinners that by, by, by the grace of God, folks that was into some mess, and I don't need to know your business but we're about to give God a praise again in this house because I feel like we need to stop right here and do this. And some of you all that have just been bad, your praise that God brought you out to where you're here today needs to be indicative in the amount of praise in the next few seconds that we're going to give God. The worse that you were, the more that you give God praise. Show that you're thankful for where God brought you from and where you're at today. And you're doing that for the purpose of this, that somebody's in the house today feeling like there is no hope for them, that the darkness and the storm and the chains and, and the convictions and all the things that they're in that they could never get out of. But your praise today needs to be to show them an indicative that if God could bring me out, then I know that God can bring them out. You need to testify today and tell them that there's hope for them, that there's hope for their situation, that there's hope for them. Are you ready today? Come on. If God has ever brought you out, if God has ever saved your soul. If God has ever changed your life, give him some That's it. If you only knew what God could do for you today. Come on, do you see that today? If God could break those chains, if God could set them free, if God could deliver them, then God could do it for you. In the house this morning. Stay with me for just a few more minutes. Promise you, just for a few more minutes. When it starts to feel like too much work, I quit. So you could be seated. We're waiting on a moment. We're getting ready to call altar call here in just a moment. We're waiting on a moment to praise God. We're waiting on a moment that God changes everything. And then we'll praise God. When, when all the stars align and everything is just right and everything's perfect and then we'll praise God. The moment. We're waiting for the environment to just be right. 
before we'll believe. We're waiting for favor to come before we believed. The truth of the moment, the truth of the moment is this, that the moment does not come without praise. When we praise God, the moment comes. We're waiting for God to deliver and set free and make a whole. And then we'll praise him. But that's not the way that it works. Praise breaks the chains. Praise builds the atmosphere. God inhabits the praise. I don't know about you, but I was in a place in my life where I needed God in my environment now. And if I would have known then what I know now, that my praise would have brought him there. I wouldn't have waited for God to show up and then praised him. I would have had praised him and then let God do the rest. Stop waiting for everything to be perfect before you begin to praise God. Go ahead and praise God and let him take care of the rest. Come on, you are blessed and highly favored. He is the God and God alone. He is the Alpha and the Omega. You are the head and not the tail. You are blessed in the city and in the field. You are a child of God. Go ahead and praise him now for what God has done for you. Come on, you can't be blessed coming in and going out. You are the recipient of favor. Go ahead. All right, I gotta quit. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. So while sitting cold, and the cold is settling into his bones, and the seawater is dripping its last salty drop from his brow. Paul realizes that he's just experienced God's favor. Paul's theologically educated mind maybe went back to when the children of Israel were living in Goshen and how God was able to divide his people from the world's people and how his people were living in the light while the world's folks were in the dark and while the Egyptian cows were dying in the field and God's people and cattle were moving and chewing the cud and God knows his people. So what does any normal people do when they're cold, wet, and in the wild? They build a fire. Build a fire. So when you're in a cold, dark, warm, warmless, just, I'm sorry, just no heat at all environment in your life and you're just cold. Maybe you're a church, say it like this. Maybe there's some church folks in here today that your fire has just gone a little dim. So I can say this. I'm catching a plane. <laughs> Some of y'all's fire has just gone out just a little bit. It's just not as hot as it used to be. And life can tend to do that to us if we're not tending the fire. So what do you do? You build the fire. And excuse me for just a moment. Nobody's got time for no hand warmer church. You know those little packs? You all know what I'm talking about. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. Those little packs that you get and you squeeze them and they get a little, you know, and they get hot for just a little while and almost too hot to hold on to. Yeah, we ain't got time for that. We don't need some fake fire trying to come in here and warm us up. And before we know it, it's cold again. We don't need that. We need to have a full-blown inferno going on in this place right now in the world that we're living in. We have cold people with cold souls coming to a dead church with no fire. Shame on us. I like this church today. First song sung, y'all was down at the altar worshiping and, and praising God. You know what that tells me? Somebody's been tending the fire. Hey, hey, guests, hold on just a moment, okay? Just turn your ears off. You know what this world needs, church? This church needs for everybody to catch on fire. This world needs this church. Now, I know I done told you that, and I can say this stuff because, you know, he may never be my friend again. But that's up to him, him and God. But we can't have the same old church like we've used, always had. Cannot be. 
The way church was last week cannot be the way the church is this week, and the way church is today cannot be the way church is next week. Because this world is getting more wicked by the day. And hell is getting more nervous because they know the time is coming. And so they're doing everything that they can, even the more, working overtime, triple time if they have to, to get everybody they can because hell's enlarging itself, not just because it wants to build. It's enlarging itself for what they feel like their harvest is going to be. I'm not going to be in that number. And what the church needs today is to be building a fire and keep tending it and every week being hotter and hotter and hotter. And as the world grows colder and colder and colder, they're going to be looking for the church in town that's full of the Holy Ghost, that's praying, that's seeking God's face, that's welcoming and loving and caring. We've got to build a fire that when they come out of the darkness and they come out of the storms of life and they're dripping cold and they don't feel like hope is around, that they find a church somewhere that says here we are full of the Holy Ghost and here we are on fire with God praising him like never before reaching like never before we've got to be more and more to this world Come on, he's not a God of smoke, he's a God of fire he's not the God of hand warmers he's the God of fire That's all right, let me move on, let me move on, let me move on. So that old snake jumps out, grabs a hold. And he shook it off. He shook it off. Your pastors preach probably wonderful masterpieces from this scripture. Y'all are getting stuck with me this morning. It's probably just laid eloquent with these scriptures, but I'm just going to get simplistic with you today because I'm a very transparent person. There are some times that we get bit by things that we feel like this it. I don't like snakes. We have, and where we live at, is, is the, if you take all the Amish Mennonite in the world, combine them, the largest community of all of them is about 25 miles south of us, Holmes County, Ohio, Amish and Mennonite capital of the world. And they all think that us apostolic people are a bunch of snake handling crazy people. So pastor, in my early days of ministering back, I mean, back in the early couple years of, you know, you know, being set loose in the pulpit, I was using props a lot because, I, you know, you need the help all you can get. And so this little Mennonite guy was at the church and he was scared to death walking in the back door. I, I mean, he scared. I mean, he was shivering scared. And he sat way back here in the back and he sat straight up. And when somebody would get excited and begin to clap their hands, he start looking around like this and he was scared. And he had no idea what I was preaching that night. And I guess I really wasn't in tune with God, I guess. But about that time of the message, and I'm just, I'm going at it. I reached down and there was this fake snake that I'd brought out. You know, those segmented wooded snakes that when you shake them, they just look like they're real. And from way back where he was at, when I pulled that out, he thought it was a real snake. <laughs> he turned, I could see him. And he turned pale white. And I thought, at any moment now, he's going to pass out. This is, he looked down at his friends. You told me this wasn't a snake handling church. He's got a snake up there. And I've got that thing, and I'm shaking it, and I'm going crazy. And it's, you know, in my youthful zeal. And he's back here. He, I'm telling you, he never came back to church, unfortunately. <laughs> Because he didn't believe. I, I even had to show the, it was Lisa Weber. I even had to show the, the young woman. I had to show her that it was fake because she didn't even believe it. But I don't like snakes, so we don't have them in the church. I love God and have faith in him, but I ain't taking no chances. <laughs> and out of the fire, bites him. Just when everything started looking like it was going to go good. I get out of the sea. I'm alive. The storm didn't take me. The splinters of the ship was enough to bring me to shore. Get to shore and I find favor. 
I'm getting my chilled bones warmed, smile on my face, and then snake jumps out. Let me tell you something about the Lord, that when you have faith in him, Satan's trickery, when you have faith in God, doesn't really matter. And there's going to come a time in your life where you're just going to have to say, not today. Not today. Because when you're in the favor of God, he's going to try everything that he can do to get you to be persuaded to do something else. But yet you've got to have enough faith in God and enough maturity to know that God did not bring you from where you were to a sweet place and favor and warming up your body with the Holy Ghost. And then just let Satan come out and take you out with his poison. Shake it off. And when temptation rears its head, and I don't mean to bear the, bad, the bearer of bad news, but it will. You've got to be able to shake it off. Mm, if I had the time. You can't shake things off if you ain't in the fire. I told you I was a pastor. So if you're sitting on the back row and you're just cold and you're not participating and you're not, you know, getting involved in church and temptation comes and you get bit and you come crying to, you know, leadership and you're wondering how this happened. You know, he's nice. I'm not. I'll tell you. It's because you weren't in the fire. And if you'd have been in the fire and you'd have been finding yourself in God and praying and fasting and reading and doing what you should be doing as somebody who says that they love God, then when the snake came, you're able to just shake it off. So I, I have flown all this time to come be with my friends to tell you that there's just going to be a time in your life where you're going to have to just shake some things off. Let me just make sure I got this right. Man, I don't want to do this. Things that are going to come at you that you're going to have to do that. Because this world is, is coming to an end that we, as we know it. And if we're not ready, we could lose out at the end. Running this race so well. You ever seen those YouTube videos where those people are running those marathons and they're just a, just a step away and they stumble and fall upon some imaginary rock. And we sit there and we laugh and giggle as they fall on their face. But truthfully, they've ran and trained and done all this work to get in this marathon to see the, the finish line in front of them. And they just begin to let up or loosen up or, or they stop too short and they fall or somebody overtakes them. Because at the end, when they should have been the most focused and they should have been given the extra little energy that they had, they let up. And we become, when God brought us out of the cold to the fire, and when we should be getting warmed up, we start to long for the things of yesterday. And that is where the snake gets us and bites us. But I'm here to tell somebody today that this is a good day to shake some things off and throw it in the fire. Mmm. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this, God. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to be delivered. I don't know how that this, this storm in my life I'm going to get through. I'm going to tell you how you're going to do it. You're just going to go through it in faith. Get into the place of the favor of God. And then stay in the fire. Just stay. Jeremiah said it was like fire shut up in my bones. Okay. I've done all that to get to this point. Let's stay with me, please. I don't know protocol, so I'm just going to take my liberty. Let's all stand, please. Musicians, if you want to come, singers, we're going to have altar. We're going to, this is what we did all this for today. This is the most important part of the service, in my opinion. And right now I have the mics so that my opinion counts. This is the most important part, so God, we need you to lead and guide us right now where we're at. If you don't keep fuel on a fire, 
it will eventually burn out. If you don't keep fuel on a fire, it will get dull. So church folks, you need to help me today. As we're going to come through and we're going to begin to worship and praise God at the end of this service, I need you to be honest with yourself. Are you as close to the fire today as you need to be? And if not, we need to rekindle the fire. And then for you today that are so kind to be here, you've gone through this service and you're just new to all of this and this is kind of, you know, maybe strange. And you feel like, man, preacher, you couldn't have talked to me any better that I'm in the midst of a storm and it feels like I've got nowhere, no direction on where to go. See, I'm an outdoorsy guy and I like to be out and I've been in the dark before and could not see. Been on a boat in the fog in the dark, four o'clock in the morning on a lake that I wasn't really familiar with and just doing circles, thinking I was getting somewhere, but I was going nowhere because I had no direction, no perception, no vision of where I was going because of the darkness all around me. So I didn't know what to do. So I've been told just to sit still then. I've been in storms. I was telling your pastor about storms on the boats that I've been in where the waves begin to, to just come over top of the boat and, and I didn't know what we were going to do and, and panic was on the boat. With, my dad was driving the boat and he was panicking because waves were just overtaking us in the boat and we didn't know what we were going to do. And, and, and fear. No direction. And what do we do? What, you know, what's going on? And you get nervous and you get scared and sometimes you just quit. If you're here today and you got no direction and you don't know where you're going and you don't know what you're doing, I can tell you today with confidence that you're in a place where strangers care. And so we're going to lift up our, our, our we're going we're to begin to pray here in just a moment. Church, you're going to help me. And I, I'm going to go fishing this morning. That there's somebody in the house today that you just don't know. You have no direction. You have no, no compass could tell you where to go. No, nobody can really tell you, but the Lord is leading you. And you're here today because of the favor of God. And when we begin to pray, what you need to do is the hardest thing that you'll probably do in your life to this point, And that is one step. One step. You feel like I've been walking from, from you know, one year old. And, and walking is not a big deal. But this step, spiritually, that you're going to take is the biggest step and it is frightening because you're walking into the unknown and in your mind you know you begin to go through things and flesh begins to tell you that God will not accept me because I know where I've been and what I've done and, and the people won't like me because you know what I, the pastor won't appreciate me and nobody's going to accept me because of the way that I look and the way that I am and those are all falsehoods God did not bring you through the storm to the cold dark places of your life where there was no light to allow you to land on this place today to not find favor enough at a fire that will forever change your life so church you have a responsibility today that's given to you by the man of God and I need you to lift up your voices and I need faith to increase in this place if you have faith in God, begin to pray in faith right now. Believe in what God is able to do. Come on, everybody in the house today.